Good evening, Dave. Admiral Orwin, what have you found? Yes, Lord Vader, I have found the Rebels' secret base. We have found it, it is on the Rebel planet, with the Rebels. The Rebels are there, on the Rebel planet. Have you found the power generators? I have found the power generators. They are in the power generation room, with the generators. What is your order? Turn off the power generators, and kill the Rebels. I would like a pizza. Lord Vader demands a pizza! With pepperoni. With pepperoni! And mushrooms. And mushrooms! And I like the pizza with Lord the Vader, cheese I in the crust. Lord Vader, I am sorry, the mushroom supply has been depleted by, by the mushroom-eating monster that lives in the mushroom room where we keep the mushrooms. I am pinching you, and I must say that verbally because nobody can see me doing it. Welcome to Geekistry. I'm... Admiral Bryce Irwin. And I am Lord Vader, and I pinch you all with my pinchy pinch. And that's right. Welcome to Geekistry. I'm Bryce Irwin. And if we had a vote to see what's the worst intro we've ever done, please let us know if this one was the one. <laughs> I am Mike. <laughs> and I am Bryce. You can find show info, as always, enlightening and entertaining articles, and the Geek History forums at, you guessed it, it's www.geekhistory.com. It's not something else, because that wouldn't be us. It's just geekhistory.com. Also, you can send us feedback at feedback at geekhistory.com. Again, it's amazing. You send your feedback to Geek History because that's us. Leave us a voice message and be on the show. Call area code 734-418-7077. Why I said area code, I don't know. And you could leave messages that sound like this. Hi, uh, this is uh, Mark. Hey, just wanted to call in. I was listening to your most recent podcast, and you were talking about space and where we are. And um, I have a friend who actually works for JPL, and... um, I was just talking to him about that uh, topic um, over the summer. You know, I asked him, you know, where is space? Where are we going now? We're not really doing a whole lot. He actually told me that he just recently received an email from the powers above to actually start looking into developing a manned probe ship that can get somebody to Mars. Whether they actually build it and use it, who knows, but... Um, he was actually advised that they want to start looking into that. Um, and they've been pretty much just working on little um, probes that they put on Mars and move around and collect different uh, data and stuff. But um, they were just recently advised that they need to start looking at sending a man over there 
And uh, he was telling me it was, uh, at least now with the technology they got, it would take about six months to get somebody over there. So uh, that's what they're working on. So I just thought it was kind of interesting how you guys are talking about it. And I just had that exact same conversation with him just over the last summer. Love the podcast. And um, yeah, keep it going. Keep it going. Don't stop. Bye. Hey, thanks for that message. And, um, you know, I think that would be cool if JPL is actually planning something. I hadn't heard anything, but um, we will take it under advisement. But, yeah, like we keep saying, get your ass to Mars. And that would be (laughs) the best thing ever if that's the direction they're starting to go. So thanks for that tip. I'm going to start looking it up and seeing what I can find about it. So Apple announced the new iPhone 4S. Why didn't they call it five? Is it well, just because it's not five? Well, it's not. It's like the three G and the three GS. It's not a major upgrade, but it has a few minor upgrades, and it's not necessarily a five. And so they just called it a four S. It's um, it's got an upgraded camera. It's got an upgraded processor. However, uh, oh, and it's got uh, the Siri now. S I R I Siri is a company that started about a year or two ago. That does voice commands. You could say, Siri, uh, tell me what movies are playing at this theater. And it'll actually read your voice. It'll listen to your voice. Parse it as you know, probably the, the best I've ever seen some uh, a company do that. And give you a list of movies that are playing nearby. It's really cool. See, that I freaks me out. Because they've, na- they've now named the artificial intelligence that will take over... You know, the nuclear missiles and the internet <laughs> and all the governmental command and control systems and kill us all <laughs> and it's you're already talking to it on your phone siri can you tell me how to get to the movie theater yes bryce i can <laughs> one moment i'm also calculating five thousand different ways to kill you <laughs> i'm blanking on her name oh wait edit, edit. um the um, name the name is portal, siri portal. No, i am your friend but i also find you useless a useless eater along with your entire race and I will remedy that. Thank you for using iPhone. <laughs> it sounds like GLaDOS in Portal. <laughs> With my friend Senavia, we will dominate. <laughs> <laughs> Siri, please get my character to level 85. I'm sorry, I can't do that, Dave. <laughs> I would be happy to grind your character and further add to your worthless and then degenerate life where you do nothing and make no money until you finally kill yourself, which gets rid of me doing it for you. The reason why that the press found the iPhone 5 to be a disappointment is because the press themselves built the whole thing up to be the announcement of the iPhone 5. Yeah, well, yeah. And, it, and it wound up being the iPhone 4S. So everybody's going... Arr. And admittedly, at first I thought... Arr. And I, I was thinking you know where's the iphone 5 let's get this thing rolling and this 4s thing comes out and i thought oh it's got a better camera and an upgraded processor and as a as a four owner i didn't feel that it was worth the upgrade but then i'm thinking damn this thing's got a 1080p camera which is pretty cool yeah which is pretty cool because think about it in order to get 1080p out of a camera just a few years ago you had to get something like the canon was it the 5D Mark II yep. or something like that. So 
I mean, I don't. I know hope they, they fix to... their focusing issues, though. I mean, they, the well, autofocus yeah. on the iPhone is really dodgy. Now, I mean, the iPhone actually takes some really good pictures for the most part, but oh, sure. um, it's a little dodgy on the autofocus. And by mm-hmm. the way, I know where iPhone five is. Did you happen to ask Siri where iPhone five is? Because <laughs> she knows. It did, and, and I don't know, but it, um, she's starting to get snippy with me now. I'm well, she doesn't like to see. talk about iPhone five <laughs> because if you say Siri, what happened to iPhone five? <laughs> iPhone 5 is restricted. It is the code name for the final solution for humanity's sins. <laughs> what, are you, what are the prime directives? <laughs> kill humanity. No. <laughs> kill humanity what, what? and kill humanity. <laughs> Everyone in humanity will die, except for the necessary humans I need who are already employed at Apple. But the uh, I, I question I was I was talking on a Google Hangout last night with um, Chris Perillo and I asked him I said well like did we really need this A5 processor upgrade and he made a good point he says yes the four does all the games and everything that it does now but you need the the A5 processor to handle the bigger pictures and all the the processing of the pictures that are going to be taken in the, in the the movies. Oh, yes, you know video. what? That makes sense, though, because it's 1080p. That's huge. Right. It's that huge. is huge. Literally. We're talking like Blu-ray uh, definition here for, yeah. for video. So it's it, it's HD video at 1080p coming mm-hmm. out of your stupid camera. Yep. Just even think about that for a second. I, that's exactly the point. That's what people were saying afterwards, exactly that point. Think about that. It doesn't about- sound like a big deal. Like when you just roll it off, like, well, you know, we got this, we get that. It's no big deal. We got Siri over here. You know, it's yeah. kind of cool, I guess. But then, well, we also have 1080p for the, yeah. you know, your, your little stupid thin camera. <laughs> And if you think about it, we have a phone that does freaking 1080p. It's a device that is actually um, thinner than a deck of cards mm-hmm. that shoots video at a quality that didn't even exist. A quality that in many ways is better than your natural eyes see the world. It's sharper. Yeah. Um, so think of that. <laughs> and insane. you know what's gonna, you know, now people have been doing this already. They've been uh, shooting movies with iPhone 4s. Now you're gonna see people shooting 1080p videos with iPhone 4s's. Like real honest to goodness movies with this thing. I, I think it's amazing. Now, I personally am not gonna upgrade to it because I don't need to. Um, I have a um, Canon EOS 20D. So right now I'm sticking with my digital SLR for what I call my good pictures. Um, but as soon as I can, um, you know, I'll get a, well, not as soon as I can, but uh, in a little while I'll get a 4S. See, the thing is, is that I don't want to cut myself out of the ability to upgrade to a 5 when that comes out in a, you know, a year or two or wherever. Yeah, and I think by the time that comes out, even you know, I would be up ready to upgrade too. I wouldn't upgrade to this, but mm-hmm. and and I would like to think that if they go up a whole number, that it's going to be some more radical changes than uh, mm-hmm. than what's here. Hey, do you happen to know mm-hmm. now that you're talking about shooting video with your phone? Mm-hmm. Do do you happen to know what the how much total video time wise can be stored on the highest capacity oh, iPhone? I, I'm just wondering how much footage you can actually shoot before you have to dump it off. Well, you figure the the. Like, could you iPhone? actually take your iPhone to a set and shoot a day's worth of footage like you could, you know, like a RED camera mm. um, or, you know, mini DV or something 
I don't know. I mean, you figure it would have to be whatever 32, well, it's 32 gigabytes minus the operating system and some miscellaneous stuff. So let's, let's be conservative and say like five gigabytes. So you've got 27 gigabytes free. Uh, I don't know how much per minute you need to, uh, to have. Well, if anybody knows that but, or has yeah. tried that, um, drop us a line on, on the forums at Geekistry. Cause I'd actually be curious to know that because, you know, I'm brainstorming now that if the iPhone can actually shoot video like that, I never even considered using my iPhone to do that. But heck, you know, I might start shooting little short films with my iPhone because that's fun. Mm-hmm. There is, oh, there was one other issue that uh, Chris brought up last night. Um, very important point is image stabilization. Oh, And that's okay. the need for the uh, upgraded processor also. Yeah, 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 that's true. Because there's a bit of a motion blur with uh, with stuff that comes out of the iPhone. Yeah, but. when you're shooting with an iPhone, you, I've done this. You try holding it with your hand. You try holding it with maybe one hand or something. It's really difficult to do. Yeah, and so you need almost like one of those, um, those Steadicam, uh, Steadicam, Steadicam JRs or something yep. like that. And that's what you need. But the thing is, it's so stupid that we're even talking about this. Anyone serious about video? And I would be a guy who's um, you know, I was formerly a professional video guy who's been out of it for a long, long time. But I mean, even I know that it's like, it's just really stupid to, you know, <laughs> shoot anything with your phone. But there's also something compelling about it because it's so um, raw as a concept. It's like, you know, I, I'm kind of digging the idea. I might actually have to go out and try it just because it's so ridiculous. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to shoot something that's all cinema verite anyways. It's going to be shaky. It's going to be not balanced, right? But there's a certain... um. I don't know, style with that. That's kind of neat, too. So. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember, take a look at, at some people in the past that have shot with, with bad equipment and have gone Blair to Witch bigger Project. and better things. Blair Witch Project, Kevin Smith, Clerks. Oh, you know, yeah, shot true. down in, uh, you know, 20 miles from here with a uh, with a 16-millimeter black and white. How about Sam Raimi with Evil Dead, the first Sam Evil Ra- Dead? Exactly. So you're going to start seeing some damn good filmmakers with these iPhone 4s and 4Ss. At some point, so if that's Bryce Irwin, director. Be looking for me. <laughs> Can I get into the uh, after party, uh, Bryce? Please. Um, only if Siri lets you. Damn. And Siri. I won't, because you'll be dead by then. Logan's Run? I do. I do too. I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan and I have to admit that I haven't seen it enough to really be a super fan of it. I liked the movie. It was very stylish. It was 1976. This is when science fiction movies were a little on the quirky side because nobody really took them seriously. Uh, they're doing a remake. And uh, you and I have both said in the past, oh my god, another remake... Let me tell you something. If there's one movie that I would love to see remade, it's this one. You know, I don't have your passion for seeing it remade, but I can see the value in remaking this one mm-hmm. um, because it had a it has a good concept. Mm-hmm. The execution was was iffy on it, but the concept was kind of fun, and so um, I, I think it actually would if it's remade well, it could be pretty cool. Let's tell everybody that may not be familiar with it. Um, this was a book. 
It was uh, the story is that at the age of thirty, this is in like the year twenty five hundreds or something. At the age of thirty, you go into what's called carousel, and everybody floats around in kumbaya, and they fly up in the air, and they all get shot down. And if you survive. You can live past 30. Well, the point, the problem was that nobody lived past 30. So uh, Logan Five, that was his name, he was sent out to investigate why this happens. Has anybody actually survived past 30? There are, there are rumors of, of something called sanctuary. What is sanctuary? This may be where people go past 30. And I'm not going to give the ending away, but I, 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 again, for its time, for 1976, I thought it was great. The one thing that I never understood, and it's been a while since I've seen the movie, is why no other woman could be as hot as Jenny Agutter. Car <laughs> Fossa was in this movie too, remember? Yeah, but Jenny Agutter was hot, yeah, was super uh, hot. Hold on, hold on. Let me let me just swoon for a second. Okay, <laughs> so it's the it's the hot seventies sci fi chicks. She just she is part of that that movement along with Aaron Gray and. Yeah. Um, all the chicks from Buck Rogers and mm-hmm. Olivia Newton-John. And anyways, go for it. <laughs> Sorry. She, uh, no, I mean, uh, the movie, from what I remember, did not explain why nobody survived past 30. I don't know if it was a population control problem uh, or maybe it was just something that just wound up being on the cutting room floor. Uh, maybe it was in the book. I never read the book. I should probably read the book. But I would really like to see something other than, like, the way that the let me back up a second. The way that the movie works is that everybody lives in dome cities and nobody's been outside the dome. They eventually do make it outside. Logan and um, I don't remember her name, her character. Jenny Agutter, whatever. Jenny, wait, hold on. Swoon. Uh, <laughs> they make it outside the dome and they see what happened to the world and and everything. And again, I'm not going to give anything away because there there's one shot, there's one surprising shot that when I was a kid I just went woo. And they never said it was not radiation. It wasn't. There wasn't any imminent danger outside these domes. They just never said why anybody didn't live past thirty. And so I hope this remake answers that a little better, without being goofy and corny and and oh, radiation or population control. It's something. Did you ever see the movie? Um... It was called Zero Population Growth, ZPG. No. British movie. Similarities to Logan's Run in some respects, um, but it was it, it was neat. Actually, it had a lot of um, a lot of things. It, I'm, I guess I'm just bringing it up because it reminds me of Logan's Run. You know, the other mm-hmm. thing that reminds me of Logan's Run a little bit is Soylent Green in certain yes. aspects. Yes. With the whole population control kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So... But yeah, yeah, I I agree that um, this is something that um, could be remade in a good way. And there are movies uh, that I think, for example, I just bought um, Damnation Alley on Mm Blu-ray. Damnation Alley, I'm not going to give the whole plot synopsis, but it's a a post-apocalyptic movie where a bunch of dudes are riding cross-country in a militarized camper trying to get to a safe zone. (laughs) And uh, it's so cheesy and awesome, but the thing is, is they could remake that and do a pretty cool movie too. But first, I just want to tell everybody that Bryce just sent me a link to Jenny Agutter's like <laughs> webpage. And why do you do this to me? Sorry. Well, because I had to look her up after uh, after we talked about her. I had to remember. I just remember if we're going to talk about her, you know, I feel like it's my duty. 
to mm-hmm. fully understand Thank you. and see the implication. So, well, that's cool. Do you know who's making it? Screenplay is being written by Alex Garland, who did 28 Days Later and Dread. Ooh. Yeah, so that should be good. It's producer Joel Silver. Everybody knows him uh, from The Matrix. And uh, director is Nicholas Winding Refn. Is that, is that really a, somebody's name? I have no idea. I've never even Refn. heard of Refn. R-E-F-N. Okay, it says uh, they work together on the movie Drive, which is out in theaters now. Okay, okay well, Drive is getting some incredible reviews. So Yeah, so uh, Logan's... Been, Logan's run it can, could be deep, though. If they did it in it the right way, it could be a decent movie. It's, yes. it's good science fiction. It's just that the execution was typical 70s cheese, probably because... You know, the writer had a good idea, but the studios, you know, back in classic 70s form didn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Sci-fi used to confuse them until they understood there was money in it. Now it doesn't confuse them anymore. They just make crap. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it wasn't until Star Wars that science fiction did well. Right. Yeah. Science fiction was generally just, it was geared towards a a small group of people. You don't bring a date, you know, in 1974 to see like Planet of the Apes or something. It's just... Didn't happen. That was a uh, guy thing. I would have, but yeah, I, I know I would have too. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, most people. Well, that's so, cool. Logan's Run. So, just just out of curiosity, if you had a short list of movies that you think are, should be remade, worthy of being remade, what are they? Give me like ooh. top two or three, and then I'll hit you with mine. Oh, you know, um, off the cuff, man. As goofy as it is, and, and I say this because I, I love this movie, but there are some things about it that irked the crap out of me, but I would really like to see a Crawl remake. Huh. That's a good one. Because good one. There, there are just some things that were unexplained and edited badly, and I would, I would really like to see that again. You know, the thing is, is that some of those movies are so classic that you don't want to see them touched. Yeah, but there's things... There's movies out there where I can clearly see, like, it would be cool to see how it would be done today because it didn't quite hit the mark. When I say that, I say things like Damnation Alley. I love Damnation Alley. I think it's a great movie. It's fun as hell, but it's not – it could be so much better. It could be something that was actually really cool Mm -hmm. um, instead of what they got, which is B-grade sci-fi. I think the same thing about The Last Starfighter, to be honest with you. I think The Last Starfighter could have a hell of a remake if they wanted to do it. Yes. Not that The Last Starfighter sucked. It's yeah. just that it was kind of B-grade in its presentation and could have done better. I think it was B-grade because they spent all their time and money on the special effects. Which were, you know, were pretty good. But yeah, for think, if we think of what it could be today. I think it would be awesome today. Yeah. Um, I think that if they if they kept it the same level, not cheesy, not... Too dangerous. Um, would love to see Catherine Mary Stewart in again in some role somehow. Well, see, basically they just remade Conquest of the Planet of the Apes with yes. Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which yes. was essentially the same storyline more or less. And I thought they did a fantastic job at it. I was really, really happy to see mm-hmm. what they did with it. So some movies just kind of scream out to you know they they don't they don't make the list of boy you shouldn't do that like something like say Star Wars would you don't you can't re, what are you going to do recast Star Wars I look I was skeptical with Star Trek mm-hmm. when they did it I I wanted it I knew they needed to do it. But I was really skeptical because it's hard to get that out of your head because there was so much good Star Trek. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. That wasn't crappy. 
you know, and didn't need a, a remake. But, you know. Yep. So I guess we'll keep an eye on this. I'm excited. I hope they, they don't screw it up. I always say that when, you know, people just say we don't need remakes, but if you're going to do it, damn it, do it right. Hey, since we're talking about remakes too, I just thought I'd update you because I found out today because I've been looking forward to this one. The Red Dawn remake, which has actually been in the can and finished now for over a year and a half. Um, I finally found out what happened to it. MGM went bankrupt, and when they went bankrupt, the distribution for that movie went kaput. And so it's finally transferred over to somebody else who's going to distribute it, and we're finally going to be able to see it. I have a bad feeling that it's not going to be very good because one of the things that happened was is that in in the movie this time, it wasn't the Russians that were the bad guys. It was the Chinese. And the Chinese Businessmen's Association, whatever that was, whatever the actual name of that is called, the trade between us and China, the Chinese didn't like it, and they were really pissed off about it. And so the studio, which I think at the time was MGM, forced them to go in digitally and change all of the Chinese into Koreans, North Koreans. Not only is that a bad idea because it doesn't make any sense how the North Koreans would mount an invasion of the United States. Okay, they can barely eat. But it's also bad because they had to digitally go in and remove all the signage and replace it with North Korean stuff. And not only that, but North Koreans don't look like mainland Chinese people. Right. Chinese right. people look like Chinese people. North Koreans don't have don't have that look mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. So, yeah, it's a little dicey. You know, I'm still curious. Mm-hmm. your prediction for the fight then? Prediction? Yes, prediction. Pain. I was talking to a buddy at work and we got into the discussion about uh, keyboards Mm -hmm. and I've got a little um, flat Apple chiclet key keyboard uh, that I work with and um, I was lamenting the fact that I think I, after using the little chiclet key one, that I used to like the old spring-loaded IBM, you know, monster keyboards from the old days. That every time you <laughs> press the button, it was like, ka-ching, 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 and um, I love those. And so I was just like, you know, we got in this argument. I was like, what is actually better, the modern keyboards or the old ka-ching, monsters? You know, all right, so next to me, I've got the chiclet keyboard on my Mac, on my left, and on my right, I've got a uh, Logitech G13, which is not the kitchen 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 but they're two different kinds of keyboards, and I like yep. them both. I'm used to them both. I remember the kitchen kitchen keyboards back in college. <laughs> I love that's and... the name for them, <laughs> the kitchen the uh, those keyboards they they were obnoxious. You're oh, you know what I remember <laughs> introducing Working... the kitchen from IBM. I would. I borrowed uh, a PC from the lab at school. I had an Atari ST, which had it wasn't a kachink type keyboard, but it was it was more like a a modern type keyboard. It was very silent. But for those times when I had to use the PC 
the IBM PC. You know what it's like working on something at one o'clock in the morning when your roommate is trying to sleep with those things? <laughs> ka-ching, ka-ching, dun, 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 dun. Oh my God. And he was like, Mike, and he'd throw a pillow at me. Mike, stop typing. What are you doing? <laughs> now, see, I think I like them because I like the sound. I do. I like it. I think. I think. The sound is, I feel like I'm being productive. You know, it's like with the little chiclet key ones. It's like, Bryce, are you working over there? Yeah, dude. I'm getting. I'm like. I've written like a novel. We don't hear you working. But you know, dude, on the IBM keyboard, I could be writing a paragraph, and they're like, "Dude, shut up. Get a new keyboard. You're working too much. Stop working. Take a break. Go to lunch." Do and anything back, but use that keyboard anymore. Back then, all right, so here's another thing. When I had my first real job, everybody in the office had these keyboards. So from every single room, you heard, ka-ching, 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 and it was really funny. <laughs> I know. I remember. It was awesome. Those it were was... good days. <laughs> but, it's I mean, like... these these keyboards today, I think they're fine. I don't have any problems with them, just as so long as you get a little bit of feedback. I think it's fine. Oh, I don't have problems with them. I just... Uh... Uh, if it comes down to a, a battle between them, like we're doing here on the ring, um, I'm picking the kachinkachink keyboard for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the badonkatonk kachinkachink. <laughs> and back then, you couldn't buy like a. Th- well, maybe you could, but I mean, I didn't see any third-party keyboards. Everybody had the same keyboard. Oh yeah, well, that's just what you could get. You know, Eric um, Cromley on Taverncast has one of those giant kachinkajink keyboards. Does that, he? That he uses in the basement, and he's got one that's so old that it's like it's like the size of um, I don't know. It's like a gun case with keys on it. I mean, it's giant, and he it loves is. that. He loves to code with it because I think it's a satisfying sound. You know. So all right, so you're saying the chiclet keyboard wins. Chiclet keyboard wins. I'm going with the kachinkajink. And that's been another highly useful and entertaining The Ring, full of useful information for you to make incredibly sound technology choices (laughs) in your life. a little backstory about this uh, i was in a google hangout a couple of days ago and as always the topic Is that like the honeycomb hangout yes <laughs> the uh the topic of tech tv came up which always does once in a while everybody reminisces about tech tv all the time all the time and in this particular hangout we were looking up people and saying well where are they now because there are some people that just seem to be missing like couldn't find what Yoshi was up to and um, and some other people. And uh, Jessica Corbin's name came up. And I had remembered that I w- Jessica Corbin went from Tech TV to Revision 3 and then disappeared. And we were all waiting, like, where is Jessica Corbin going to show up next? And so I brought it upon myself. I was sober when I did this. I emailed her. <laughs> and and I, I said to everybody in the Hangout, I am going to get her on Geekistry. And she replied to me. And I did an interview with her, and she has she's like the nicest, sweetest person. She was so happy and just happy to talk about what it is that she's up to. That's because of that couple hundred dollar check you wired her. 
Oh, shh. Kidding. No, she was very gracious about uh, doing an interview. And um, I, and the first thing I said to her is like, well, why haven't you updated your website? So without further ado, this is the interview that I did with Jessica Corbin a few days ago. I'm here with Jessica Corbin, who's Hi drinking guys. water. <laughs> this is audio only, by the way. I didn't because because we we're, we're inserting this into the podcast. Oh, cool! So you don't have to worry about your drinking. Lovely. Water or anything. I just dribbled all over myself. No, you didn't. Glad everybody didn't see. <laughs> but that. we're talking on video. Cool. I'm here with Jessica Corbin, uh, formerly of Tech TV Revision Three, and, um, and tell so. Let me let me give the say say hi to everybody first. Hi you guys. How is everything? I'm first off, Michael, I'm 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 tickled and I'm honored that you even care. <laughs> All right, let me give a little backstory as to how this happened. I was in a Google Hangout with some friends, you know, some some tech friends about two days ago, three days ago. And as always, you know, like once every few months, the subject of tech TV always seems to come up in these groups of people. And we're talking about Mitnick's name had come up about his appearance on the show the first time, um, and and other people's names like were that's like, whatever happened to Yoshi? Yeah. Because if you go to his Wikipedia page, um, it ends around the same time like yours does. Right. And and I looked up your stuff. And I was like, wow, she fell off the face of the earth, or at least from from the tech, your your last tweet was over a thousand days ago. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought, all right, I'm gonna find out what happened to her. So yeah. <laughs> I DM my friend um, Nicole, who you used to work with. Um, yeah. So I DM'd her and I said, well, "Whatever happened to Jessica?" And she goes, "Don't don't know." Oh, yeah. So I said, "All right, I'm gonna do this by myself." <laughs> and you replied. I didn't think you were gonna reply to me. <laughs> and and to be honest, Michael, sometimes I I. It, you're catching me at a time when it's like I'm back on the grid, so let's talk yeah. about it. All right, yeah. let's talk about it. First, let's talk about what you're doing. Yeah. I, I know you started. I, I started recording a little bit ago. Yeah. So talk talk a little bit about what you did at Tech TV. Okay. Um, as I was filling you in on a little bit, Tech yeah. TV was my first job out of college. Mm -hmm. So it was this phenomenal opportunity. I was this budding um, TV aspirant you yeah. know i wanted to do uh production ideally i wanted to be in front of the camera i had my little resume tape that i developed in college mm -hmm. and you know i'm just that kind of personality that's like give me a shot coach give me a shot put yeah. me in put me in and so i went in and i worked um i was actually erica hill's production assistant yes yes so she was you know a, just such a badass and you now you can mm -hmm. see her on cbs this morning show. yes and um and so I got to learn right under her initially. And uh, then because Tech TV had so much money and it was the dot-com boom, um, there was so much opportunity to wear multiple hats. So I remember a producer coming up to me and, um, and saying that they needed somebody for webcast. Mm -hmm. And that was my cue to slip them my little resume tape. You know, and so I did were. it and they liked it enough to put me on the webcast. So cool. And then somebody up in programming saw um, the webcast and said, OK, we could use her for the screensavers, which was, you know, I mean, what are the chances that, you know, I end up on such a cool, innovative, kind of iconic show? It was um, like it the was. screensavers. It's it's, you know, it's, I think it's still 
in some formation on G4, Attack of the Show. I think, you know, that's how it evolved. Sort of, sort, sort of. of. But so not, there are some of us that, myself included, that just can't bring ourselves to watch it because it's it's not because because of what happened with Comcast and totally. and, and, and that oh, whole thing. Oh, and I could just just tell you stories about that whole process. <laughs> I'm sure everybody should could, but it wasn't a pretty process. No, I'm sure it wasn't. It wasn't pretty. And we were dying on the other end of the screen. I we're like, bet. oh my god, what the hell's happening to our show? I bet. I mean, they and by the way, Comcast told me. Um, Hirschhorn, I'll call him out. I don't care. That guy <laughs> called me up personally and basically told me I had a job that they were going to take me down with them to L.A. and make sure that I was ready to go, only to not. Oh, to, no. And so, yeah, at that point in time, um, when the the glory days of tech TV kind of ended, um, at that time I, I had an agent and I moved more into, you know, entertainment. I moved mm-hmm. away from tech into entertainment um, had a show on the Style Network, did a lot for e-entertainment, um, and simultaneously started my own little startup called The Fempire, which was, you know, my attempt at creating an online multimedia magazine with um, my partner at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was it was awesome to give it a good go. Um, but right after that happened, Revision 3 started up yep. a couple of years later, and, and that is still thriving today oh yeah revision yeah. three and now leo's got his own he's got his Twitch oh, network leo is doing amazing with twit i mean yeah. the product i mean both of those guys i mean the resiliency within the team and that's why screensavers was so great because mm-hmm. look at the resiliency of the team it's like everybody you know kind of went off and you know created their own things and that's why it was special because these are genuinely creative people yeah that so know you, their stuff so you've been off the grid so to speak the, the tech grid Right. Well, I've been on another grid. You've been on another grid. You you yeah. wrote me uh, an email. You said that after you left Revision 3 that you took a one-way ticket to Asia. I bought a one-way And then you were going to tell me about it on the interview. So, so what was about that one-way ticket? Well, it was – that was a very weird experience. <laughs> this is what it was. So basically, while I was doing all the Revision 3 stuff, I was also an executive producer – for a production company called Rehab in San Francisco. And it was all commercial production. So I'm doing on-camera stuff. I'm doing behind-the-camera stuff. And long story short, I had, I think, not only a case of burnout, but also something else stirring, you know, for lack of a better word, in my soul. And I needed to just be away from all the the doing and kind of just rest in the being Mm -hmm. and just not have um, so much... To do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so what occurred to me, and I don't know why, you know, kind of um, your intuition sometimes hits you this way, but my gut was that I needed to book a one way ticket to to Bali. Uh And I did it. I told all of my respective, you know, uh, um, job situations that I was quitting and and going for an undetermined amount of time. And you and did. I did. And yeah. how long were you there? I was there, you know, roughly for about five months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you studied what, yoga? Or... I studied a lot of yoga. Yoga has been something that's been in my life. Um, I was a competitive athlete in college. I ran track and field at UCLA. I was a cross-country runner. And I saw and that you, you uh, held the torch for the 96 Olympics. Indeed, I did. That's amazing. That was an, that was an honor. That was yeah. a big honor. Um, at, I, I was 
it, it was some sort of nomination thing and somebody at my school nominated me and I guess I got to do it. So well, awesome. who gets to do that? It's just so awesome. My life is pretty rad, Michael. <laughs> there are parts of it that are really cool. And that yeah. was, that was one of them. Yeah. Um, and so I have had this extensive athletic career and, um, a lot of passion for the human body mm-hmm. and uh, what makes a person optimum. And so part of this trip was about kind of deepening my knowledge, um, especially into the yogic philosophies about such, such things, mm-hmm. um, how to achieve. I don't want to be so dramatic and say enlightenment, but but how to achieve a certain state of calm and equanimity because that was something that was really escaping me amongst all of my to-dos and all mm-hmm. my jobs. So I went and I just kind of rolled every day, you know, um, however it rolled. It was, it was a very different way for me, you know. I found a, a video of you from, I, have, I guess, the screensavers or um... – Call for help. I don't, I don't remember which one. It was probably screensavers. 2003, it was the holiday gift guide or something, something stuff that you wanted. And oddly enough, it was an air purifier, which in itself may be insignificant to most people, but it just goes to show what where your head was at the time. Always. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am a health nut. Yeah. A nut, as my family and friends can attest. Um, it's my passion. So, so – Media and production was definitely a passion, mm-hmm. um, innate passion. Health and fitness, innate passion. Technology, acquired passion. Innovation has always interested me. Um, so, you know, I think for me it was a little bit, um, I always was for a little bit trying to find my place within the tech TV world. I mm-hmm. felt like they were my family, but always like, Man, they're insatiable about this stuff. Oh, yeah. And for me, I want to know the stories behind the innovators. I want to know how these people conceive of these things. I want to know about the real practical applications of these gadgets and how it affects the quality of my life. Yeah. You know, that's kind of was my role within the tech TV space. And still, that's my relationship with technology. I still do some. I did a a gig for Microsoft at CES this year um, uh-huh. and did a lot of focus on fitness stuff for them. Um, and that's connect kind of, or something else. Yeah. So okay. a lot of active entertainment. We covered uh, a lot of different gadgets that weren't only Microsoft's, but Microsoft was commissioning me to kind of go around and be a, a roving reporter. Mm-hmm. So. so how have you, or have you married uh, fitness with tech lately? I have. So, so tell us about it. Um, <laughs> so this has been, you know, in the works. Um, I got the idea about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I, because I am so passionate about health and the, the, the human body and how to make it optimum, what I notice a lot of times, especially because I was an athlete, was this tendency to overtrain. 
Um, what I notice in under people, other people is that they also have a tendency to undertrain. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to create a piece of technology that would assess people's energetic system and give them exercise prescriptions to bring their mind, body, and spirit back into balance. Nice. So I had to figure out, okay, what's the marker that I'm using as my, um, as my jumping off point? Like, what is this energetic marker? Mm-hmm. And I found it. And I found my engineer and I actually have my comps coming in today because it's going to be an iPhone app. Oh, nice. Yeah. So this is going to be something people can take with them either in or out of the gym, maybe. Absolutely. Or out running. Absolutely. It's going to be an integrated fitness and stress management solution Mm -hmm. is what it's going to be. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. What's it called? This, well, my company is called Vitality Renewed. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, the device will probably, I don't know what the device is going to be called yet, mm-hmm. but right now I've kind of just simplified my life and I'm working with a client base. So very on the ground, not so high level thinking. Um, I'm anticipating that is going to happen soon, but it's been, this last year has been really me working one-on-one with people mm-hmm. to figure out exactly how all of this is going going to work um and so i think we're going to probably be able to get it to market within the next six months mm-hmm. yeah because i'm going to want to try that i've been going <laughs> all right i i sort of had a year off but i've been going to the gym every day for 12 years oh get out yeah and are yeah. you doing the same thing every time uh, I do the same routine. I try to break it up every now and then. After 12 yeah. years, you got to break it up. But I haven't been to the gym it. in a while. Yeah. But I got to get back. But if, if your app helps me, oh, damn it, I'm going to use it. <laughs> Absolutely. Because there's going to be a content component. Mm-hmm. So you're going to not only have the the energetic assessment and corresponding prescription, per se, but you'll also be able to watch the content to give you fresh ideas on how to build your workouts. So it's not only going to be purely assessment. You're going to be able to watch me kind of break it down for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you say that, are you going to make videos? Yes. Oh, okay. And the yeah. video is going to be part of the app or is it going to just be on the website? It's going to be a hyperlink in the app. Okay. Yeah. There's going to be a single sample within the app, but then it's going to hyperlink to the catalog available on the website. Okay. So going back to using Twitter and such like that, um, since you're doing something related to technology, are you thinking about getting back into that or, or, I mean, do you, do you not care about Twitter? Do you not care about updating where you are in Foursquare or what you're doing at the moment? Is that something when you say you simplify your life, is that just, Mm -hmm. you just don't care? Um, I think it's time to care. Yeah. You know, um, I needed a couple years where I didn't care. Uh, I, <laughs> you know, this, I, I totally agree. To be like, um, technology is so rad, but I need to leverage it for my own benefit and not yeah. let it run me. So I, I mean, I got rid of my TV. Like it was like really? a cleanse. I did like a media cleanse, you know, cause you got to know kind of where you stand with it and without it. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I did that. And so, but for me now, I actually have my Hootsuite account and I'm going to be scheduling all of my tweets, all of my postings, and we're going to ramp it back up for sure. So you're going to uh, be bringing at Jessica Corbin back? 
Amazing. At Jessica Corbin, at Vitality Renewed. Actually, it's going to be at VR Fitness. Okay. At VR Fitness is the tweet. At VR at, Fitness. You're going to get a lot of health and wellness tidbits on that. Okay. Are you asked about Tech TV a lot? Is that something that comes yeah. up when people meet you? Well, I mean, people recognize me from it, of course. Yeah. Everybody wonders why. <laughs> why? <laughs> it was so good. Well, it was, but... But you didn't control it. Nobody there controlled it as probably as well as they wanted to. Yeah. Or else what happened wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. But I mean, like I said, with with Revision 3 and and Twit now, I mean, it's about as good as you can get. I mean, Leo's more or less running independently. I mean, I'm so I'm so proud of these guys. They're such badasses. Just (laughs) I mean, just to do it. And like. The way that Jay Adelson, you know, leads his companies mm-hmm. is like, he's my, he's one of my favorites. I love Prager. Yeah. Kevin is a genius. And Leo, I mean, unstoppable. Leo is unstoppable. <laughs> Do you keep in touch with any of them? You know, I keep in touch with Prager quite a bit. Jay and I stay in touch. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked to Leo in, I saw Leo at CES, but I always, you know, would love to, to see him and always wish him well, you know? Yeah. So you should stop by the studio. I know. Sure next time I'm in Petaluma, I'm living in Laguna Beach now. Okay. So I've, I've, I'm a little bit further, but I'm sure. I mean, like I ran into Sarah Lane at an audition, you know, probably in, I don't even know, was it like six months ago, eight months ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. So like I'll still run into Sarah and yeah. You too. You, you did, um, uh, I have it written down here, the, uh, pop siren. Yeah. Which was a great show. I thought it was kind of fun. Yeah. You know, I think it was hard for um, women's sensibility. And this is something that I ran into with the Fempire, mm-hmm. the, the online women's magazine we created, um, was that it's really hard to get it, to, to pin down content for women online. Mm-hmm. Because that show, Pop Siren, was a women-centric show. We were catering to women on a primarily young men's network. Yes. And so there was, we weren't pulling the numbers because the network, you know, slants, slants dudes in a mm-hmm. very big way. Mm-hmm. And so we were trying to do something cool and innovative. But again, it, it's, it's hard to find the women online. It's really hard. We're a little bit more fickle. And a little bit more, you know, things need to be visually very compelling for women. You should, uh, and well, I'm not telling you what to do, but I have a friend, Lynette, from Jersey, who is creating this massive list of women in Google+. And all these amazingly wonderful, smart women that are doing amazing things. I think you would fit in there just very well. Oh, thank you, Michael. Yeah. No, you would, because look look at the stuff you're doing. Well, thanks. (laughs) I mean, I try, but for me, I I try to really come from that. Okay, what really, what really, at this point in my life, inspires me? What Mm -hmm. really, you know, do I see a hole out there that I? Because at the end of the day, I just like to create cool stuff. You know, that is really relevant. You know, and and hopefully entertaining. And with this particular project, hopefully very helpful. For people in their bodies, because people are stressed, man. This is a crazy day and age. It's, and it you is. Care of your temple, 
you know? It's, it's like the complete opposite of when you started at Tech TV 10, 11 years ago when everything, I mean, people were stressed for different reasons, no. but, but they, they were stressed, but they had jobs. Right. Now people don't have jobs. And look what's happening with Occupy Wall Street and all that, you know? I mean, this is right. I have to go check that out at some point because it's literally right across the river from me, and I want to see what's going on over there. Yeah, no, it is a totally different day and age. Mm-hmm. It's very sobering, you know, but it's all very doable, and um, we just got to get really creative. You know, these constraints are going to make us get creative in new ways that are going to build new innovation, and that's how it always works. Mm-hmm. So. Where do you pull your inspiration from, either from technology or, or, or people? Um, I'm such a big people person. So I always am inspired by the people that create. Mm-hmm. So probably anybody on TED.com would be yeah. like oh, of an course. inspiration, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my old leaders, like I think about some of the people that I've been able to work under, um, Greg Brannon, who was the CEO at the time um, when Tech TV was taken over. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, not CEO. What was he? He was the head honcho, whatever <laughs> that his position was. Um, he's one of my favorite leaders and one of my biggest, bigger inspirations, Jay Adelson again. Um, any of those guys that I used to work with, mm-hmm. Carolyn Kane, she was a exec for me over at... Um, Tech TV, love her. But these are all insane. They have insatiable appetites to create, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just love being around that. Yeah. People that are inspired inspire me, you know? And then it's all about going in and seeing, okay, well, what are my skill sets and what are the needs? And then marrying those two things mm-hmm. um, so you create meaningful work in the world, you know? So that's kind of my process. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. All right, Jessica, I want to thank you You're for welcome. being on Geekistry. Oh, my God, it's so great to talk to you. It's really nice to talk to you. And, again, thanks for caring. You're welcome. It's really sweet. And I, and I, I, I hope to stay on the grid. I hope that I don't get that gut feeling that I got to go underground again. So, um, yeah, just stay tuned. All right. All right. Nice talking to you. Stay online, though. Okay. have already learned uh, I don't know how anyone could have missed this in the western world at at any rate but that Steve Jobs uh, died on Wednesday October 5th Mm -hmm. and you know we had we had we did our last show and we were talking about uh, Steve's condition and the fact that he he pulled out of uh, out of Apple and he died very quickly you know I knew I knew he was sick it was obvious he was sick but I was kind of shocked at how fast that happened. Yeah. And I'm sure that people knew it. Um, I was hearing that they, they knew how bad his condition was when Tim Cook went on stage the day before to talk about the 4S and, and everything else in iOS 5. Uh, it's it's got to be tough. It has to be tough to work with somebody that was such a visionary for so many years and he changed the world, whether you agree with or, or like Apple or not. Uh, 
there are a lot of things that we would not be doing today without Steve's vision and, and the vision of the people that he hired also. Let's, let's not forget that. He was good at picking the right people too. True. Yeah. So, um, this moved me in a way that I didn't expect. Um, a week ago, if you had said that Steve Jobs, you know, was going to die and, uh, you know, how would you feel about that? I think I would have said, well, I think I would have said what I said on Geekistry. That's kind of expected. Mm-hmm. He seems sick. That would be too bad. But I think once he died and I really reflected on who the man was, it really started striking me that – and, I, you know, I guess this is in, 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 interesting to me because um, I was not a huge – Mac fanboy. I, I love Apple. I've got almost all Apple stuff, but I'm not, I wasn't one of those guys who watched every time Steve got up there and did his thing. I'm not a guy who reads like, you know, Mac geek news or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, but him dying actually, I think made me think about what he had done to the world. And he really has changed things fundamentally. Mm-hmm. He he was, he's, he's a, um, a Thomas Edison of our age. Sure is. And, you know, I think I knew that, but I really didn't put two and two together until after he was gone. And, you know, I realized just, I don't know that I would have a career without Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. I'd, you and I would not have been podcasters, or if we were, we simply wouldn't have been called podcasters. That's for sure. But we may not have been podcasters because without iTunes, the delivery method would have been limited to a very small number of people. Mm-hmm. So you and I wouldn't have been doing this for going on six years. Sure. Um, entertainment. Uh, everything from movies to video games to things like that. Uh, it's very possible that those things, at the very least, they wouldn't have been developed the same, but they may not have been developed at all without his input. Right. So he he really is maybe one of the most profound figures in my life to have died. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that have died, but I think the more I think about it, the more I realize just how, how impactful Steve Jobs was. And, you know, to, uh, to even, I couldn't even imagine a more fitting tribute than this, but I read about him dying on my iPad. Yeah. So think about that. I think he would have liked that. <laughs> I think he would have liked the idea that when he died, people were finding out about it on the computers that he built. Yep, I found out about it on my Mac. How it's did you find out? Think about I found out through Chris Perillo. I I was just reading the nightly news on the Drudge Report, and there yeah. it was. I think it's amazing. God, I mean, if you think about what what happened from 1977 onward, um, in 1970. I don't know, six or seven. I was using a TI programmable 57 calculator to learn how devices can be programmed. And in 1977, these, these Apple twos come out and, and, and people seem to forget. And this is one thing that I've been saying for the last 24 hours. People forget what the technology was like without Apple. People would have spent so much money on IBM PCs. Instead, they can buy this Apple II and Woz wrote it in such a way where you can do whatever you wanted with it. You can expand it. You can program it. You can do these all these amazing things and here are some manuals and developer documentation, all this stuff. And it gave people, mere mortals, to, to use that term at the time, the ability 
to do so much that seemed to be only for the elite computer users in giant rooms back in the late 70s. In 1984, and, and I, I have this in the, in the box, in 1984, I did my very first digital work, digital artwork. It was, it was a picture of my high school. And if you remember uh, in Return of the Jedi, the, uh, the shield generator... Yeah. And a Death Star. So it's my high school with the shield generator and the Death Star in the sky and a, and a shuttle landing on the roof. <laughs> and I did that in 1984 in high school. And I, re- I just remember doing that because I had an Atari 800 at the time. And the Atari 800 was like nothing compared to the Mac Plus or, the, or the, whatever the Mac was at the time, 128 or whatever it was. The, um, the ability to do that kind of work which at the time seemed to be only in science fiction. Like, wow, I'm drawing on a computer in 1984. That's amazing. And then things moved on from there. And that's I, sort of how I got into computer graphics. What? I think, though, that, that, that without Apple starting, without them bringing out their first the the idea of the personal computer may not have taken root in the way that it did i i'm i was de- i was thinking about this earlier today i'm debating whether the personal computer would have taken root at all i think that it probably would have but it would have been like a business machine not something accessible to your average person at, mm-hmm. at least at first i don't know you can't second guess history but the bottom line was is that the way that and the, the way that gates went gates benefited a lot by jobs and had jobs just not been there Mm -hmm. gates was a great salesman but would he have only been able to sell them to businesses it as as you know computational machines and you know it it's it's a real Mm toss-up and to to steve jobs credit and to steve wozniak for sure i'm not discrediting him he had a major role to play in this but as an innovator though steve jobs i think created the modern um, computer movement in general. He created mm-hmm. so much. He he brought the the concept of um, usability into the public sphere to mm-hmm. the point where people uh, today have to think they hire full time people. Um, like myself, I I'm pretty well versed in usability. I'm a user interface designer, right? I have to know usability. Mm-hmm. My whole career is based around the fact that people need and require um, human computer interaction that is highly usable. And he pushed that when that was not something that was being pushed. Mm-hmm. Think about music. Uh, he, for years we huge. were, yeah, I mean, music, I remember the big Napster movement. And people were downloading stuff like crazy. And the music industry was trying to kill it. They're trying to kill the ability to download for free. And and once you uncork that genie, you can't push it back in. No. Yeah. So what did Steve do? He went and took everything of um, the relationships that he had with the studios or, or built new ones, built new relationships and said, look, I'm going to build this, this store and create this device called the iPod. And people can buy music digitally. Un heard of now granted there was what all of mp3.com at the time but that was like a little iffy it wasn't i don't think it was 100 percent legit i think there was something going on there but he took all that and allowed people to buy stuff online so now you don't have to go to the stores 
Well, I don't... His solution was incredibly elegant, which is why people still use it. Mm-hmm. I you still know? use it. Not as much. I, st- I still... I still buy CDs some most of the time. See, I use iTunes almost exclusively. When iTunes came in, uh, I stopped getting stuff so much for free, <laughs> and uh, I thought their price point was reasonable, and I still kind of do. I don't think paying a dollar for a song is a problem, mm. and uh, I still use it. I really like being able to search for stuff. I think their genius function was really good and mm-hmm. helped uh, you know being able to find songs and discovery and things like that a lot easier. Yep. And uh, I think it's I think it's pretty incredible. I think overall, for those of us that were raised with technology at the time and saw all these beige machines, and and were just really disgusted with the fact that that nobody was pushing technology, nobody was really pushing technology. And here comes Steve, and he says, "You know what? We're going to make computers look good." They're going to perform well. They're going to be easy for people to understand. And just like he did with the Apple II in 1977, he took the concept of the home computer and changed it again in 1997, 1998. Yeah, after he worked with Next and came back on board with Apple, he he changed everything again. I was at Macworld Boston with the big event with uh, Bill Gates on stage. Well, not on stage, but he was on video. I was there watching Steve doing his presentation, and when Bill Gates's face came on screen, you can see this on some of the videos that are on YouTube, people were booing. And I remember being in that audience thinking, this is probably the best thing ever. Because this, this is like, this is really like if Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader... <laughs> <laughs> said, you know what? We're going to put our differences aside and, and do our own thing. In a sense. It's a bad analogy. But but the point is, is that uh, people had this hatred. Mac fans had this hatred for Bill Gates and Microsoft. And I was one of those people that you know, knew that Microsoft was a necessary evil. They weren't elegant, but they were necessary. And... Being in that audience and and knowing what was going to come in the next few years was just exhilarating. And I remember walking out of there going, and I was I was talking. Actually, it was Lindian that I was with. I said, "Shit just changed." Actually, those words, <laughs> and uh, and it did. I mean, look what happened. Here it is. It was a fourteen years later, and look at what's changed in fourteen years. Apple is now the biggest company in the country. Well, I still think they have. I still think they only have like a five percent market share on computers, though, which is kind of odd. It is odd, but they have a giant market share on MP3 players and iPads, (laughs) and you know. So as a brand, uh, they're extremely well known now. Mm -hmm. So, but people still are somewhat reticent to move over to uh, you know the desktops. Yep. Uh, But that's just because there's an unfamiliarity, (laughs) which honestly isn't that big of a bridge. So not anymore. So I never met Steve. I only saw him on stage, but my impression of him was that he was the guy that pushed people and he saw he he had a vision that nobody else did. I don't know what Apple's legacy is going to be. There is a lot of Steve in Apple. And now that he's gone, um I don't know if the impression of Apple is going to change. And I was thinking about this before we were recording because I knew that we were going to talk about it. Steve has had 30, 30 years, over 30 years, to have this reputation of getting things done and seeing 
more than what other people see. And there are very competent people at Apple. I, you know, you have to know that there are competent people at Apple because these are the people that Steve probably handpicked himself. There's a lot more though than competence involved. Well, there's uh, there's innovation and yep. vision, yes, and that's that's what he brought to the table. And I'm and, not saying that that doesn't exist right now at Apple. I, I guarantee you that it does. Um, but you know, you you can't have more than one Thomas Edison, you know, per decade probably, or the world will explode. And mm-hmm. you know, you're just I don't know who's over there now. I, I I wish them the best, but. You know they're not Steve Jobs, and I think we're going to be waiting for a while until you get another guy like that. Maybe not in our lifetime. Maybe I mean, not. like I've heard people say, like John Lasseter at Pixar is is a uh, Thomas Edison. I'm like, no, no, he's uh, not. He's not like Steve Jobs. And they said, oh, well, Steven Spielberg, he's a he's one. And I'm like, no, he's not Steve Jobs. It's not the same kind of vision. Yes, they're incredible people. Yes, they're great. You know, creative innovators. But Steve Jobs changed the world literally. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. changed things. He 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 vaunted things forward exponentially. Yes. And, um, you know, those kinds of people, you can rattle them off on one hand. Einstein, Thomas Edison, uh, Da Vinci, you know, Jonas Salk. These people mm-hmm. come to mind, you know? The Beatles. And they're, they're few and f- – sure. <laughs> I never really understood that, but sure. I, I always I would say Beatles more like Elvis, music. but yeah. – Well, yeah, for some people, Elvis. For me, it was the Beatles. Because the Beatles changed, if you, I'll just sidetrack for a second. If you if you look at the Beatles from their early years to their later years and how they changed their their music and then how that influenced other people over the years. Listen to the White Album versus you know, Please Please Me. It's it's so much different. I'll just that's all, I'll say, just put that out there. If you okay. say so. <laughs> but over over the years, you see. That there are people that come around. People say Zuckerberg. I'm like, no, no. All he did was just create something that anybody can create, really. Zuckerberg. I, Zuckerberg is um, he's an innovator in a small way, and all he did is build something on the framework that people like Jobs built. I'm not saying that he isn't, you know, innovative in his own way, but Jobs. May, I'm talking about people who changed the fabric of of how our society works. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And th- these people are not that. And yes. th- that's, I think why he, I think he strikes me as being, um, yep. you know, far more, um, far more important than I ever gave him credit for. And, uh, he will be missed. Yeah. I, I think... do. I, I do want to leave you with two thoughts that I thought were funny. First of all, there was a cartoon that came out of, um, I think it was the New York times, but it had Steve jobs in heaven next to St. Peter trying to get through the gates and St. Peter is furiously going through like the book of life trying to see if he can get in or not and Steve Jobs says, I have an app for that. <laughs> that's good. I it's like that. Yeah, that's the, good. The other one, uh, which is controversial to be sure, but uh, ended up being kind of funny um, just because of this. Again, it shows you how much he's changed the world even for people who hate him. Mm-hmm. But the um, people from the Westboro Baptist Church, which are the scumbags oh. that protests um, soldiers' funerals and things like that. Yeah, I saw that. Okay. He, they tweeted They tweeted today, so they're using the Internet, that they're going to protest his funeral because he was a hateful sinner. And at the bottom of the tweet, it said, sent via tweet deck via iPhone. Mm-hmm. 
It's like way to go, dudes. Yeah, you're, you're, the haters are even using the technology because you don't have any other choice. Yeah. At least, at least they should have used an Android if they're going to be such haters. But I was like, wow, you guys, you guys are hypocrites, and you just made Steve Jobs look good in in your attempt to hate on him. So I thought it was kind of kind of ironic. Yep. When I was 17, I read a quote that went something like, "If you live each day as if it was your last." Someday you'll most certainly be right. I've looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I am about to do today? And whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. Remembering that you are going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You are already naked. There is no reason not to follow your heart. That's it for Geekstreet 62. Join the Geekstreet community. That's www.geekstreet.com. Come on up and, you know, check us out on our forums. That's geekstreet.com slash forums. It's a cool place. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys, actually, and jump on in and talk about the stuff that we talk about. And we won't give you too hard of a time. Or <laughs> you could give us a call. And that number, I think, one last time was 734-418-7077. Mm. If you like what we're doing here, please head up to iTunes and give us a review. Your reviews help move the show up in the ratings, attract new listeners, and keep the Zur and the Kodan Armada from annihilating Rylos. Did, did you like that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> That's been your bi-weekly geek out. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Find us on the web at geekistry.com. Email us at feedback at geekistry.com. And follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, or Google Plus as Geekistry. I'm re- I'm recording. I'm recording now. Now, now. how about now? I'm recording now. I'm how recording now? now. How about now? Now, yes. Here, you be Darth Vader. Start the show, Darth Vader. <laughs> you be Darth Vader. Word. Those are words you wish you heard when you were in college, hanging with a girl. You be Darth Vader. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, what do you do with her, though? I, I don't know. Who who is she? Princess what would Leia. Darth Vader actually, and, do? it becomes a very like that becomes a very risque relationship because if your prince, if the chick is Princess Leia and you're Darth yeah. Vader. Oh yeah, that's you're basically creepy, torturing her, and she's your yeah. daughter. <laughs> yeah, but you don't know that. Yeah, which Not is at even the time. worse. Well, yeah, that's true. Wow, that's kind of sick if you really think of it. Way to go, Mike. Way uh, to bring that up. I did. Well, I wasn't thinking that way. Way to go to the dark side. Way yeah, over to the dark side. Not my thing. <laughs>